Coffee isn't just a drink, it's who you are. We are Little Green Hive, and we're here to serve that perfect cup of coffee made just for you. We're women-owned and locally sourced. Our mission is to provide the best product for our customers, as well as strengthen our community. From fair trade coffees and teas, to breakfast, lunch, and smoothies, we have everything you need to start your day off right. Come visit us in downtown Roanoke, Grandin Village, and now at the Daleville Town Center, Little Green Hive, because coffee is personal. It's a, it's a lonely journey, and in our case, it's a very quiet, lonely journey. Life after a stroke may be a lonely journey for one Southwest Virginia family, but by the numbers, they certainly aren't alone. Um, unfortunately, no, I'm not surprised by the numbers at all. People living in Appalachia face greater obstacles when it comes to getting care for strokes. And we've learned some of our hometowns have among the highest rate of strokes in not just Virginia, but the nation. So your zip code definitely has a lot to do with your lifespan. In this episode of Hometown Stories, in our series Bridging the Great Health Divide, we're taking a look at the facts and the faith that's kept one Virginia family going, despite it all. Well, he knows, it's no secret, he knows I will never give up, never. You never know when you sit down to do an interview with someone on a really personal topic, how it's going to go. Now are you both from Danville? But Nancy Rudder knew. She's told this story a hundred times. Jeff was born and raised here. I grew up in New Jersey and moved here in high school. I meet Nancy and Jeff in a park in Danville's River District, a revitalized industrial area near their home, not far from the banks of the Dan River. Nancy is wearing a light blue sweater with an anchor on it. To her left is her husband, Jeff, who cheered when I told him my boyfriend was from Pittsburgh. Oh, he's a Steelers fan. Oh, yeah. 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 He, he loves the Steelers, yeah. have been indoctrinated now. Yep, so you have to. That cheer was about the most vocal participation Jeff is able to manage during our chat. He's not been able to speak in more than a decade. It's a lonely, it's a, it's a lonely journey. And in our case, it's a very quiet, lonely journey. Jeff and Nancy Rudder have been married for almost 38 years. What was um, it that drew, drew you two together? We were never, you know, in high school or anything at the same time. And he jokes, but he did kind of chase me. And once I finally agreed to that first date, we were engaged less than six months later. They married, had two daughters, and played a lot of baseball. He was the picture of health. He ran two miles a night. He, he took good care of his body. He coached baseball for years and years. He ran a business. Um, just, just, he was very healthy, or so we thought. 
but their lives changed 12 years ago in a restaurant celebrating Mother's Day weekend. Their younger daughter was days away from prom. He actually, he had taken his first bite of food and he mumbled to me, I don't know what's happening to me. And I think at that point, I jumped up. I think someone recognized that there was a crisis, there was an emergency, and called for help. And I'm assuming based on that, that sensation you were having at the time was probably unlike anything that you had felt before. He, he claims to remember, right? Jeff nods. But he had no indications leading up to it, like never complained of a, a big headache, never, uh, we were just having such a wonderful, both my daughters were with us and just having such a nice, it was just gonna be such a great weekend. That sensation was Jeff's first stroke, his first of three. His deficits after that first one were a little bit uh, memory loss, like short-term memory, and struggled with people talking a little bit too fast to him. Like he would say, slow down. Five months later came stroke number two. That was right side. I think I have this right, I may have it backwards, but, and that second stroke was huge and that took away Jeff's speech completely. It affected his eyesight on the left side. It affected all kinds of things. He stayed in the hospital quite a while. Intensive care, in fact, we were told to call the family in because they weren't sure the next 24 hours what it would hold. That stroke would hold and take a lot from the Rudder family. Jeff nods along as Nancy continues the story. And then his third massive stroke was in the uh, cerebellum area, brainstem, and that was January 2011. He couldn't walk after that. Any sounds, any verbal sounds, words that maybe you could kind of make out, which was just a few, he lost all that and has never regained it, but thank God he learned how to walk again. Jeff nods. After the second stroke and after the third stroke, I can I can only imagine that my response, one of them would be like, what, what the hell is going on? Yes, and 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 I was I was told in the ER one night that I needed to calm down. And, you know, I'm like, he's, he's had his second stroke. He's not, he can't talk. He's, he's, uh, he's confused. He's, you know, help. And I was told to calm down. Now I sort of knew what a stroke was, but to be honest, I needed a refresher. Essentially, there are two types of stroke, according to Dr. Edna Gordon, one of the ER physicians at Sova Health, the hospitals in Danville and Martinsville, Virginia. Stroke can be hemorrhagic or ischemic. Ischemic stroke is one that is caused by a clot 
basically blocking the vessel to the brain. And then hemorrhagic is basically when the blood vessel bust in the brain. The significance of uh, both uh, hemorrhagic and uh, ischemic stroke is that both can lead to death. There are more cases of ischemic stroke than hemorrhagic stroke. In fact, about 87% of all strokes are ischemic, the rest being hemorrhagic. With both, it's extremely important that the patient gets care immediately. Time is of the essence. One of the treatment for acute ischemic stroke loses effectiveness if it's not administered within three to four hours. But even then, sometimes the stroke can already have taken a significant toll. So all three times he has gotten to the hospital or had, had the life-saving crew or the fire department respond within the 15 minutes that they say is so crucial. In Jeff's situation, it, it just, it, even that quick response didn't help. They were, they were such massive strokes. So how does a guy like Jeff, who ran every day and coached baseball and watched what he ate, have three strokes? It was after the third stroke that Nancy says they went to Duke to see a neurologist who diagnosed Jeff with atrial fibrillation. It's an irregular rapid heart rate, which increases a person's chance of stroke. Now he's on Eliquis, which is extremely expensive, extremely expensive and hard to manage sometimes, you know, paying for it. I have been blessed with people in the community that will occasionally gift us a month's worth, um, you know, which is amazing. Cancer, Alzheimer's, suicide, uh, you know, there's so many devastating things um, that people don't understand and strokes is one of them and it it happens so quickly uh, you, you just it it just happens all ages which is really scary so his first stroke he was only 53 years old Jeff holds up the number four she looks at him they look at each other 53. Oh, 54. Okay, he's going to correct me. Jeff chuckles. Anyway, um, you know, it, and it was, it was just, um, it was the first stroke was one, exactly one week before our youngest daughter's senior prom. And our oldest daughter had already moved to Charlotte to start her career and life there after graduating from college. So she was, she was already gone, and there was no way that I was going to ask her to uproot and come back. Um, he, he, Jeff would not have wanted that. He did not want that. Jeff vigorously shakes his head no. Their youngest daughter would instead change her plans. She was going away to play D1 softball, but decided to stay at home, playing ball for Averett University, and she's now the head coach at Tunstall High School in Danville. It's working out, just not as any of them had imagined it. Um, we will have been married 38 years this year, 
in October. And, uh, you know, the last 12 years have just certainly not what we planned for. He can't work, he can't drive, um, he can only read a few sentences at a time, but his mind is so sharp, it's amazing. Looking at his CT scans and all these big black spots, you know, where the strokes hit, it's amazing how he's still really sharp. And um, it, it, it's amazing. It is amazing. Jeff can understand everything I'm saying and that I'm asking. And one of his favorite things remains those baseball games and watching his daughter coach. But Nancy and Jeff believe that maybe, just maybe, things might have been different if there were more resources for stroke patients in their rural Southwest Virginia community. Um, unfortunately, no, I'm not surprised by the numbers at all. That's Nancy Bell, a voice and a name you may recognize from previous episodes. She's the population health manager and spokesperson for the West Piedmont Health District, which serves the city of Martinsville and Henry, Franklin, and Patrick counties. We live in an area where we have fewer physicians per capita than the rest of the state. We have more smokers. We have more people with diabetes, which you know is a companion disease. We do not have enough resources for stroke response. We try to teach our people the basic steps of spotting a stroke and that time is of the essence. But if you want to go to a medical center that is stroke uh, specific, we don't have any in our district. In the Danville, Pennsylvania County Health District, where the Rudders live, there is a stroke center at Sova Health, where Dr. Gordon works. Typically, you might not actually see a neurologist there in the traditional sense. The Danville Hospital has a robot named Rosie, and the Martinsville Hospital has one called Lightning McBot, both of which connect patients via telehealth to a team at Duke. Dr. Gordon says they added the robots about five years ago. She explains that the on-call Duke neurologist can see the patient's charts and care in real time. They help make decisions on whether the patient receives clot-busting medication or whether they need to be flown elsewhere for alternative treatment, a flight which could last about 30 to 45 minutes. The robots supplement a local neurologist who can be called upon, but is typically not as fast as getting Duke's team via robot. While Gordon says the telehealth edition has been great, the hospital is and has been working to recruit a neurosurgeon of its own. The CDC has this interactive map that shows you where different kinds of stroke care centers are located throughout Virginia. The next closest centers of any kind in Virginia and neighboring North Carolina are anywhere from an hour and 20 minutes to nearly two hours away. In our health district, the doctor to patient ratio is more than two times the state level, meaning we have fewer doctors for the people in our community. Just simply not enough medical personnel to go around. Overall, Bell says her health district has higher rates of smokers, obesity, heart disease, and diabetes compared with the rest of the state. So your zip code definitely has a lot to do with your lifespan. And, and to me, that's something we really need to work on. The life expectancy for the average Virginian is about 79 and a half years. In Martinsville, Bell says that drops to 67. 
As for strokes, the outlook is just as bleak in Martinsville. While the number of actual stroke deaths per year may only be in the teens, from 2016 to 2018, Martinsville had the highest rate of stroke death in the entire state, and one of the highest in the nation, at nearly twice the national average. While the most recent data show that number has come down, Martinsville still ranks third in the state for stroke death rate. It's shocking. It's a small community. Um, and to have that many people dying of stroke is, um, it's alarming and it's tragic. And while that most recent data from the CDC indicate Danville's rates are a little bit better, the numbers are still above the national average. We still have problems with access. Not only do we not have enough physicians, we don't have a transportation system. We have some medical transport, it's spotty, but access is a big deal. If, if you do not have a, a regular doctor and you do not have transportation, then you're not gonna get help until you're already sick. And that, Dr. Gordon says, can also be problematic. Currently, most of our patients who present with stroke-like symptoms come by private vehicle. I believe that certainly can delay uh, the treatment available to, to these patients. And according to the most recent data from the CDC, the risk of having a stroke is nearly twice as high for Black people as it is for white people. Black Americans have the highest rate of death due to stroke. But Nancy Bell says the health department's COVID response may go a long way to helping the stroke response in this population. In that regard, COVID has been very helpful for us because we only know what we know. And we have discovered populations, particularly African-American adults with chronic health issues that aren't getting the vaccine. So in the process of taking interventions to them, coming out to their churches to vaccinate and that sort of thing, we have actually made partnerships and inroads into that population that we hope will serve us beyond the pandemic. We know where you are, we know who you are, we know what your needs are now. So it behooves us to bring services to you the best way we can. And that's the hard part, knowing where and what, and that's been answered for us. So we can look to some programs that we'll be putting together this year in response to what we've learned. Bell says teaching people lifestyle changes can go a long way in reducing the risk of stroke. Dr. Gordon also believes that making sure people know what a stroke looks like could also be the difference between life and death. I think the key point is one, education, reaching out to the community leaders as well as local community and incorporating the EMS system into our team approach to treat the patient. There is treatment available, treatment that could reverse the symptoms. is key to, you know, getting uh, this to the front line. I believe for the most part, people are willing and able to hear those warning signs and making those small lifestyle changes that could certainly impact or decrease the risk of stroke. A bigger center in the region with more neurologists in-house is something the Rudders say they would advocate for, saying maybe Jeff could have been diagnosed sooner. We've, uh, we somehow make it work. I'm his full-time caregiver, and it's... It's hard. He gets upset when I get upset. He gets sad, I get sad. Jeff nods. We miss our friends, 
You know, friends, as much as they love you, they, they kind of disappear. I know they pray for us. I know they wish things were differently, but with Jeff not being able to communicate at all, other than this device he has, which his typing, it's, it's still very slow for his brain to process that. So sometimes his typing is on point and sometimes it's really messed up. So it's awkward for people. We don't get the invitations to parties and dinners and you know, all that like we used to. Jeff nods and looks down at his lap. Nancy says Jeff's best friend visited him every day in rehab and will play checkers with him or go for a walk. And, you know, and I have a small bubble of, of lady friends, young and old, that kind of stick by me and will ask me how I'm doing. But Nancy says no one will ever really know what it's like, try as they might. The struggle with finances since Jeff can't work and the care costs add up. Everyone's case is different and some people do recover nicely or to a point where they can still work a little bit or drive. I would like for um, Virginia and our country to realize that um, maybe we don't look like your average people that need help. That, I don't know what that means really, you know, but um, there's got to be help available, whether it's financial or house cleaning or reduced rates in, in physical therapy or speech therapy or whatever their needs might be that can help these people that that can't that don't have insurance or their insurance isn't covering it so that you know the life isn't just sucked out of them is that what you feel like sometimes trying to <laughs> yes jeff nods get the medication yes instance is that something you think that you know local government state government governor even all the way up is that a message that you think is maybe not they're not getting or not hearing. Jeff nods his head, yes. Yes, very much so. And when I began trying to get in touch with people, of course, COVID had hit and no one was doing at-home assessments or anything. So all the um, screenings and everything that I had to do was virtual and we passed everything, there was no question we needed help, but they have a scale and our, I guess you would say financial situation was just slightly above that poverty line. So we fell through the cracks. But slowly, over time, they've learned to accept and to appreciate the acts of goodwill that come their way. Why do you think you were closed off at first? Maybe not wanting to believe it was really happening or maybe to think that he would recover or not wanting to accept help 
feeling like I could, I could do it all. Um, and I realized after a few years, I can't do it all. I have to ask for help if I need my grass cut or, you know, everyday things that Jeff used to be able to do. I've realized that I, there's no shame in asking for help, that there are people, there are friends, there are neighbors in this community that are, that will help and that have helped a lot. Once you kind of got over that, that barrier, kind of started to accept it, was it easier for you to, to then accept the help once you started, look, once maybe realizing the ways that it was really helping? Yes. Most times it's anonymous. For example, before Christmas, I had someone put a gift card to Food Lion in our mailbox. And I can't tell you what that meant knowing I could go to Food Lion and get some food, you know, for the holidays. And uh, I don't take offense to it. In fact, it's, it, it, means, it means the world. So, yes, people are good. There are still days, many days, that they struggle, but they get through it together. I was actually on the phone with Danville Social Services before I came to, we came to meet you today. And um, after over a year of trying to work with them, unfortunately, we've been told we fall through the cracks and um, can't get the assistance that we need. If you are a full-time caregiver, you cannot get any compensation, financial compensation, you know, for the, the 24-hour job. You cannot get any financial compensation if you're married. So if you were just two people cohabitating, it would be different. Exactly. And, and I, I straight up told one of the caseworkers, I said, if, if you're suggesting that we divorce just so that I can, I can get some assistance, that's not an option. Jeff looks at her. She looks at him. He puts his arm around her, and they smile. I start crying. Jeff starts crying. I imagine for you, when you have people stop and say hello, or your friend who takes you out, that probably, does that do a lot for you? Yes. Jeff nods very enthusiastically. Yes. Yes. And like I said, everyone around the West Main area calls him the mayor because he will stop and shake hands and Jeff laughs at that. Stand on the corner and wave and and um, he uh, is such a beacon of light I think for many others and uh, that's a beautiful thing. end of our conversation, I asked Jeff if there's anything he wanted to say for this story. Did you have anything you wanted to add? He shrugs. Anything you want to type? He pauses for a second and then opens the iPad-like device he uses to communicate. It takes him a while to type. He turns around to avoid glare from the sun. And while he types, Nancy and I chat. 
Are there ways that you have found to love each other differently than you did 12 years ago? Yes, definitely a new sense of appreciation and respect, I think. And more times than not, he will go upstairs and watch TV. He likes to watch one thing and I'll be watching something else downstairs. And when he goes upstairs, more times than not, he will type something to the effect of either, thank you for taking care of me, or I love you so much. And um, a lot of nights that really. Do you still need it? Yes. Yep. He knows I will never give up. Never. After a few minutes of typing, Jeff gets up and hands me his iPad. On the screen, he's written the message he wants to share with the people who hear their story. Four simple words. I want to live. What does that mean to you to hear that? That he hasn't quit either. That's, that's amazing. Nancy nods her head and begins wiping her eyes. Yeah. She pats Jeff on the back. I'm sorry. Jeff puts an arm around her shoulder and pulls her in close. I have never met a kinder man. So I got pretty lucky all those years ago. Here, Jeff gets emotional and turns his head downward. Nancy pats him on the back and leans in close. We all begin to cry and laugh at ourselves crying again. <laughs> so, sorry, I warned you. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like here it's important to share the warning signs of stroke. Doctors like Gordon preach the FAST acronym, which stands for facial droop, arm drifting, slurred speech, and time to call 911 if someone shows any of those symptoms. And according to Duke Health, you might also remember be fast, using the B to watch out for balance and E to look out for their eyes as they could be experiencing blurred or double vision. Hometown Stories is a production of WDBJ7 in Roanoke, Virginia. This episode was written and produced by me, Leanna Scacchetti, and edited by Ben Raquelny. We'll see you next time. Hometown Stories is sponsored by Little Green Hive, because coffee is personal. Locations in downtown Roanoke, Daleville, and Grandin.